this is our video series, Worship Quest Wednesdays. And Walt Hera and Dr. Jim Altizer have joined us today for our discussion on creating flow in a worship service. Uh, let me introduce both of them to you. Walt Hera is a singer, songwriter, arranger, producer, and worship leader. He is a graduate of the USC School of Music and Fuller Theological Seminary. He's produced more than 1,000 songs for the Haven of Rest radio ministry, and more than 50 of his songs have been recorded by Maranatha Music, Integrity Music, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, David Phelps, Glenn Campbell, and many more. He currently attends and serves at Grace Evangelical Free Church in La Mirada, California. He has been married to his beautiful bride for 50 years. Congratulations. He has three kids and five, almost six, as of next week, grandchildren. Um, I had the honor of serving with Walt at Grace EV Free a number of years ago and was really blessed to really be mentored by um, just even watching the way he put together a worship service um, and then worked to implement that with the teams and the elders at the church. Thanks, Walt, for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Jim Altizer has served as a minister of music and director of worship for more than 20 years in three churches. Uh, he holds a Doctor of Worship Studies from the Institute for Worship Studies and works at Oaks Christian School in Southern California. He has been married to his beautiful bride for just shy of 40 years, has four kids and six grandchildren. Uh, Jim, I first met him. Uh, he was one of my professors at Azusa Pacific Seminary and since then has really become a mentor to me in the field of worship and ministry. Um, and it's just been a real blessing to have him as a friend and mentor. So thank you, Jim, for being here. That's an honor. Yeah. Um, so I once had a worship leader tell me that they preferred to select songs for the worship service randomly with a variety of themes and topics. And his reasoning was because he said the congregation comes to church from all different places and just maybe one of those songs would meet them where they are. Now, I come to planning and preparing a worship service from a completely different perspective with the philosophy that although the congregation is coming from a lot of different places, whether it's culturally, ethnically, um, even just situationally, right? Uh, uh, coming on Sunday morning, they're coming from a lot of different places of uh, emotions and uh, family situations and whatever. But I believe the idea of coming together as a congregation is to bring unity within that diversity, um, to proclaim the truth of who God is and what he has done for us throughout history as well as today, and to allow the congregation to respond to that truth in a variety of ways, whether it's song or prayer or scripture or whatever. Uh, why do you think that creating a thematic flow in the worship service is worthwhile and effective? 
Uh, I love talking about this. Uh, when you were, ex I think I might have attended that church a couple of times with the one that you were describing. <laughs> uh, that is fairly common. It's sort of democratic. Uh, and in that sense, is generous. Uh, but it, it struck me that perhaps a pastor preaching might make his first point from Revelation for some people like the prophetic look at the apocalyptic and uh, perhaps somebody just loves the gospel so maybe his second point would be there and you can't skip the old testament so maybe his third point would be there and you kind of cover you know multiple bases i mean no one would think that a pastor you know should do that right. uh, it, it sort of doesn't make any sense musically either mm -hmm. one of the uh, leading verses for me that has helped me to shape uh Worship leading has been 1 Corinthians 14. I didn't look the verse up. Sorry, it's in there. But it says, I will sing with my mind, and I will sing with my heart. And so that the mind has to be engaged uh, as we're, we're singing. Uh, he, Paul also says there, I will pray with my mind, and I will pray <clears throat> with my heart. Um, and what does it mean to engage the mind? Well, I think um, certainly to think about what we're singing. And uh, it's hard to do that all of the time when you're singing lyrics. I don't care what the lyric is. Uh, so many times I've sung an entire song and I actually didn't actually think about. It just rolled off. And I kind of do my bad to God and right. to hope for another song where I can do better. But I love uh, scripture. So I love letting scripture sort of inform the mind. Uh, I, I really believe that, that as uh, Hebrews 4 says, the Word of God is active and alive, and it penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So scripture then becomes a very key uh, uh, tool in worship. Uh, also, uh, all scripture is God-breathed and, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. So it, it is a, a beautiful vehicle to come alongside songs. So that's why I'm really trying to kind of put the two together. Now, when it, when it comes to thematic, um, I decided, well, you know, I have to lead worship this Sunday. So I actually kind of prepared most of the set this, this morning. Um, we're scaled down now in our worship because uh, we're outside. This, the, 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 the service is shorter by 15 or 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we have fewer songs, but um, I'm actually going to uh, invite the folks this Sunday to look at um, the, the way in which God plans out the, the future. So we're, we're reading, starting the book of Luke, and uh, Kenny Clark is, is preaching from Elizabeth and Zechariah this Sunday, and I was thinking about how suddenly the plan of God just explodes uh, and so I think that the whole worship set needs to look at uh, the way God is moving history and forming history and shaping history. And so, you know, I suppose you could do that in one song and go on to another topic if you wanted to, but why not hit it from several ways? So yeah. the first song that uh, I'm going to use is, uh, we haven't sung it in a while, is Everlasting God, because it has uh, the phrase uh, that... God doesn't sleep or go weary or get distracted. Uh, and as long as we wait on him and worship him, our strength is replenished and our hope is reawakened. So that's a great way to look at the difference God makes in, in our lives because he's an everlasting God. 
And then I'll, I'll come at that again by just saying that Luke uh, is helping us to see the plan of God come alive for us. And uh, then we're going to sing um, King of Kings because King of Kings, uh, and I just kind of, I knew about it. I, I, I didn't sing it for Easter. I probably should have, but I had forgotten about it. Hmm. And uh, so I decided, Kenny asked me to lead this week. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to pull it out because when I was looking at the comments on uh, the Hillsong performance of it, I think the comment stream, somebody said the gospel in four and a half minutes. Hmm. Right. And I, I looked at the lyrics and I go, it is, it's beautifully done. Yeah. Including uh, where it ends with, and the church of Christ was born and then the spirit lit the flame and it goes on into the church's birth, which of course Luke goes into uh, the book of Acts, you know. So uh, now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. And so you, you, you get this picture of the church advancing. And mm -hmm. so then we're going to sing, oh, church arise. Right. So it, it's sort of like a boom, 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 I hope. Uh, and I just believe that's a more effective way to uh, approach worship. Right. Jim, what do you think? Uh, do you think creating a flow in the worship service is worthwhile and effective for the congregation? Yeah, I, I do believe that. And um, think it's think it's important to um, know where you're going. I mean... I, I don't go on a, uh, I don't pack for a trip unless I know where I'm going. So I know how to pack, you know, and <clears throat> it seems to, it seems to give me some direction and, and help it, the flow takes me somewhere. Mm. Um, I, um, man, I hate to say this, but I, am not convinced that the church is um, building the kind of disciples that the world needs hmm. and probably cut me open and and I'm a discipler even though you know I was a musician and a worship leader and a few things I, I want to see people walking deeply with God and and I want to see corporate worship um, producing disciples and I think that when we come together and worship, we're doing our theology. We're not just um, talking about our theology, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I want my people to do their theology, and, and I want to feel like I'm growing disciples in, in what I design and, and the path that I take them on in corporate worship. It's, um, and that takes a lot of different elements to go back to your opening comments uh, as well as waltz about using a lot of um a lot of different things but on the same road the same theme and um yeah i want i want them to do corporate things not individual things in a crowded room otherwise just you know gosh this sounds so negative and i apologize but i'm wondering if the church is going to be able to get people to come back to the building. Um, I was hoping that, you know, when COVID hit, um, that the <clears throat> church would 
start doing more people-oriented stuff rather than just recreating um, what we what we did, but over Zoom, you know. And so, I'm really aching for uh, to see the church develop develop disciples and to design worship that does grow people. Um, and I mean, we've been. The church has been good at uh, growing a crowd. We've not been as good at growing disciples. So, you want to define disciple? Yeah, I would say um, a f- disciple would be a a fully devoted and and engaged follower of Jesus. I'm I'm I'm, and this might not be you know very universal, but I I feel like worship is. Worship is not just expressive, it is also formative. And the way we the way we assign and assemble worship, and you're doing this, Walt, the way we assemble worship really forms our people. Um, in some senses, let's see, do I want to say this out loud? Um, <laughs> in some senses, you know, a lot of churches, we walk in and and I'm re- I'm asked to respond to God before hearing from Him, and this it, it's a little bit backwards to me. It feels like God should have the first word, you know, um, the revelation, and then our response to His revelation. I'm I'm not asking for the sermon to be the first thing, but to at least um, give Him a word before we respond uh to him i feel like i'm asked to throw a switch that i might not always have so i don't know if that was that's one of the reasons i like using scripture as my call to worship because i want people to hear from the very words of god what god has to say is probably better than anything i have to say as the worship leader right? So I would love for them to hear God's word right at the beginning. And I'm not talking just, you know, a a quick one verse, although that could be appropriate, you know, Um, maybe a little bit more than, hey, congregation, this is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Bam, we're into the first song responding to God, you know, but where's some of that, the meat of scripture that we can help unpack for our congregation? Yeah, no, it's good, Stephen. I do. I do sometimes uh, use underscoring for scripture to just because I do obviously think that music uh, awakens the heart. You know, that's what Paul was saying in First Corinthians fourteen that there's something about music that um, transcends. Uh, but I, I'm going to use. I think uh, this was a rough sketch of Sunday, but um, because people. Yeah, I can't remember in my life looking at the news events that are going on, mm. the changes that are taking place every day that are like, what, how, what, how, how could, you know, that's constantly my, I'm just dumbfounded and uh, it's happening so fast to remind them that God is in charge. He's in control. So that uh, the verse, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. This is Psalm 33. He thwarts the purposes of the people. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. I mean, I would like to be told that at the beginning of a service. It's going to be okay. I guess that's the scripture's way of saying that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're kind of hearing from God in that way. 
and then the song Everlasting God, because, uh, you know, it, I don't know that I printed out all the words to that, but it does kind of re reference uh, the Isaiah 40, 31, right. uh, that those who wait on the Lord will. So it reminds you that in God's presence with his people, I'm going to be changed in some way. I'm going to be, I'm going to receive hope. And I think the song itself can pull you into that, yeah. that expectation. That's what, that's what I'm hoping for. Well, so and I, that, I, I hope we're off. Yeah, I'm. Ho I'm just hoping that will start us off, right, and get yeah. his attention. Go ahead. Sorry. And I do love uh, what you said about underscoring scripture with music. Um, there is something about that that. Music, um, music causes my mind um, and my heart to shake hands somehow, and and somehow when there's there's music under scripture, it just seems to be like a guided missile that goes straight to my heart, um, but my brain intact. Yeah. So I I love that. Now, the other night, you know, uh, I went to the Monday Thursday first service at a, a, uh, an Anglican church with my family. And uh, it was intoned. I, what's the official word? Uh, most of it was sung. Right? Yeah, intoned. So it, it had the musical element almost entirely throughout. There was a spoken, maybe a 10-minute a, a sermon, maybe, maybe less. But um, it was so much text being sung and not melodic enough to carry, to, to pull me into it. You know what I mean? The, the yeah. girl actually was a good singer. She sang in tune and she did all that okay. But it kept coming at me without stopping. Like when they did the foot washing, I think she sang continuous text that well, she wasn't revisiting anything for about 20 minutes and so it, it's at, a, at some point music isn't effective you know that if you have too much text your your brain just shuts off yeah i Our guess that's don't why, like that <laughs> yeah yeah right and i think that's why we like a refrain yeah or something uh, where we come back to something that's familiar and then go revisit you know the second verse or whatever uh yeah. so music isn't always the answer uh no to, yeah but it definitely helps i that what what you said not that we need to talk about the anglican church too much but you said that you wish that it could could be slightly differently in terms of the musical what, oh what yeah i think i before we were yeah before we were uh yes recording, I, said, I would love to go to a hip anglican church um because what I that, do, what would that look like? I appreciate the liturgy yeah. and format, but I um, I want to sing a new song, also, and so I I would deeply appreciate the combination of the two. Yes. Yeah. Now I don't know. Uh, I, sh I wish. I think it's Nyquist. Maybe it's it's uh, yeah. Bill Heibel's grandson. Yeah. Who has uh, a son-in-law? I think son-in-law. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I saw this last week. He's really innovative in terms of liturgy. 
So I think that... his uh, I think his ministry is called a new liturgy. Yes, if I, I remember I... correctly. Aaron Nyquist. Yeah. And is that what you're talking about? Or is that what we're exploring? This new. Path you know, forward? I'm not familiar with him. I can't okay. comment on it. Sorry about that. I'm just wondering, like, like even uh, the guest you just had. Um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. Zach has been sort of a way shower, hasn't he? Yeah. Yes, yeah, he has. Part? Right. Uh, yeah, he's in Birmingham at a Anglican Church. Is that right? Okay, so there, there you go. Cathedral Church of the Advent. Yeah, um, I think it is Anglican or Episcopal. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm continuing. I I I don't like the music to do music so much the same that you can always say I've done this song before exactly this way, hmm. and that I might do that to a fault. Because if you're an arranger, you can always think of another way to do something. You know, um, this Sunday, I mean, partly because who was available and who wasn't. I'm having a, a really capable trombone player play. I'll, I'm going to have to write out the parts for him, which is fine. But it adds an element of surprise to songs that we've sung, right, that I'm hoping will energize it and bring it some freshness. So that's always one of my challenges too. Yeah. And I think a big part of what we're talking about is how do we have a balance or a connection between head and heart, right? Because we can have so much text and so much uh, depth of content that yeah. we lose emotion in the yes. heart. Or the other side of it, where so much uh, feeling and emotion in our worship that uh, we have some shallow theology. Yeah. So what are some of the, the best practices of engaging both head and heart and having a good balance between yeah. that? And I think both of you have done that pretty well with how you create uh, your worship services, uh, creating the flow in the worship service, Walt through your worship scripts, uh, Jim through your roadmaps for worship. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your approach in creating flow in the worship service? You know, Jim, could you start? I'm looking at my computer and going, it's not happy with the battery. So I'm just going to be right back when I plug it in. Because All right, right, perfect. It's a deal. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm I'm very interested in, in growing disciples. And I want people um, to respond to the word of God with lots of different actions and songs and things like that. And so I, I want to come to worship planning with a... A variety of tools, just like I wouldn't show up and and build a house with just a pair of pliers. I I don't want to come to corporate worship with just one tool, which is corporate singing. And so I want to know about all of the different things that my people can say and recite and pray and um, and the movements that they can do that are fully appropriate and symbolic and and the way that we can employ silence and even the different ways that we can sing besides just you know getting the crowd um, the crowd involved and so I want to use those and roadmaps or you know frameworks um, really help me do that I, I basically use three different kinds of of roadmaps in planning corporate worship. One of them is, is just topical, 
Um, for example, if we're going to talk about uh, that day, the triuneness of God or the faithfulness of God, I'm going to be like Walt was doing also, just picking songs along that direction that can that can open up a variety of ways to to think about the faithfulness of God. And 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 then there's an awful lot of uh, scripture in in that just lends itself to corporate worship. I, I guess I'd call it expository worship. You can you can just worship your way through Isaiah 6 or worship your way through uh, Psalm 95 or, or Hebrews 12. And, and so just going through scripture and doing what it says. You know, we, we stand up, we pray, we make a joke, we sing, we, you know, uh, we bow down. So just trying to invite people to do their theology and not just um, and not just sing. And then, you know, some of the, there aren't as many of these, but what you'd call pathway worship or kind of a, a blueprint for worship, you know, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, you know, or the, or walk through the outer court and the inner court or, you know, um, even just the God is statements, the four God is statements from, from the New Testament, just, just grabbing a path. But, I want to have a I want to have a framework so that people are responding to truth um, and not just to music because in my experience we are never gonna agree the generations are never gonna agree on music but we do at least we should all agree on the truth of scripture and so I'm counting on, I'm counting on these scriptural frameworks to unite the church. Um, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of generational worship. I want, I want the blue haired lady sitting next to the auto mechanic, sitting next to the punked out teenager um, in worship. And, um, and it seems like the word of God you know, is the uh, great unifier. Yeah. You know what? Actually, let's see. Oh, here we go. Are these still available? Yes. Road and you can get a worship. free set of silverware with them, too. <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. A lot of what you were talking about is in this, you know, going through different. Yeah, those were designed for individual daily devotionals. Right. But Honestly, I stole them right from, there's a hundred of them, and I stole them right from my corporate worship planning. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. So. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thanks for the commercial. <laughs> you you hit on an, an interesting challenge, uh, the generational worship. Um, because, I mean, Paul doesn't leave room for that in, uh, what is it, Colossians and Ephesians, both, I guess, where he says, singing psalms and hymns and to, to one another I don't, I don't have it in front of me but uh he doesn't seem to say uh if it's he, he doesn't leave the option of not singing right right so the challenge is how to uh to bring everybody on board um the other thing that you uh, that i wanted to mention about that that a lot of times um you you might sing a, a song that's familiar that even is 
uh, a song that crosses the generations, like say, um, uh, uh, it is well with my soul, say. Uh, the um, it's so familiar uh, that that I I have I think when I look back on my old worship scripts I went too far in terms of information mm. so sometimes they were uh, too much verbal prompting and a not enough actual singing mm. but I would borrow from because I've always read a lot of missionary biographies and um, a, a story like with uh, Adoniram Judson or um, uh, John Patton, who was who had to spend an entire night up in a tree where the headhunters were down below looking for him, and how he says that uh, that night spent in the tree praying was one of the sweetest nights of his life. And the way when you hear that first person recounting of that, and then you sing, "It is well with my soul." it like doubles the power of it right so um you can go too far and i think sometimes i i did go too far um but uh a great quote from somebody is is really powerful mm -hmm. um i even started one service with a slam dunk it was a video a slam dunk i don't remember now how i uh i started i t i was wanted to talk about the overture, I think, and uh, I should have looked this up, but I think we played the overture to Oklahoma or something, part of it, and then I talked about. So the, it, what it does is it it just jars people into oh this is uh, they come in autopilot, you know, and they don't expect anything, and suddenly uh, their eyes are wide open. You know, you can go too far on that too. Um, but I, I guess I do guard against sameness. You know, that's yeah. that's great. And I think that's probably, I think probably for the Anglican church, you know, that's probably the challenge that they have. <clears throat> yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. And Walt, in your worship scripts, you pretty much write out everything that's going to be said in right. the service. And then you or the worship leader um, doesn't necessarily read word for word, right. but you have the idea of what you want to communicate, um, which I think is pretty powerful because then uh, what that tells me is the leaders have actually thought through what they want to do in the service. The nice thing about that too is I could pass on almost any element to anybody up there, right? right? So we, we would assign, and then sometimes I would say, so so and so, I'd love for you to pray your prayer coming out of this. And there were people that I really trusted mm -hmm. who knew the spirit, you know. But some of the really powerful times were, in other words, for me to just take it all on myself was less effective. Well, I so so appreciate the forethought of that you put into uh, corporate worship because it's a huge deal. The words and thoughts that we put into our people's mouths and minds and hearts. I mean, that's a huge responsibility that I think sometimes gets taken um, a bit lightly. And um, yeah, so thank you for doing that. Yeah, we had, uh, we had women in our church uh, and one guy who were really good at spoken word 
and so I was able to commission spoken word. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just, sometimes I could find something that they did that I liked, but uh, there was one time a young woman who was very gifted at it. Uh, I said, whenever I would do a Christmas program, that whole section, I I like to go from the garden to the birth, right? And uh, show the fall, and then it makes the birth much more glorious. And uh, working your way through the Old Testament prophets and all that, is a bit tri- tricky in a Christmas program. And I had her write out uh, a lot of the prophetic words in a spoken word mm-hmm. with um, underscoring to um, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And then the, the choir would come in in the middle of these epochs or ages and sing one phrase and then she would continue. So that I love looking in the congregation to find what the skill set is of some people. Yeah, and then commissioning them to, and they love people love to be challenged like that. Yeah. So good. Yeah, and thinking about uh, what maybe we would consider transitional elements, or maybe transitional statements within a worship service. Um, I'm fairly convinced that prayers should be more than just allowing the band to get back on stage. Um, I'm being facetious there. But um, Jim, you were talking about uh, essentially spiritual formation happening within the worship service, right? Uh, Us being discipled, that as we worship God, we are becoming more like Jesus. I mean, that's the goal of what we're doing here. Um, So talk a little bit about what, uh, some musicians would call the in-between stuff, right? What's happening in between songs, whether it's a prayer or Walt, you've mentioned quotes, you know, from people, which I know you use in your worship scripts, scripture mm-hmm. reading, whether it's a responsive reading or uh, maybe a presentation of scripture, you know, those things. Let's talk a little bit about that and how those can be formative as well. It's not just the sermon. It's not just the songs but everything we're doing in the worship service should be forming us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of lead the way and then get out of the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to be really clear and concise. Um, also writing everything out about what I want my people to do or what I feel like um, I want them to think on or um you know, why we're singing something, give it to them and then get out and just let them do it. Um, and I want to use as much scripture as possible. I I have a lot of scripture memorized, um, not because I'm a good guy, but because I'm a lousy guy. Uh, but I, it's come in handy as a worship leader because I can I can just breathe out the scripture and and respond, you know, invite people to respond uh, with a song or with uh, a confessional or with, you know, a creed or with, you know, speak this verse of this song together, you know, songs don't always have to be sung. But yeah, I I like scripture uh, as a part of my my transition. Yeah. I I think stories uh, in the congregation too are, can be an important 
transition. Um, and I always look for s some story of God at work in some way. It doesn't have to be a miracle in, in the sense of a, a healing, although that's really cool if that happens. But um, uh, to get a person up in the congregation that re nobody really knows to just do something about what God has been doing can really um, heighten a sense of God at work. Yeah. Testimonies are so powerful, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So I'm always looking for that and, and finding a way to uh, to build a song or, or a set around something like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little bit removed now, so it's a little harder for me to hear those stories. When I was on staff, we would we, we would start our staff meetings just telling God stories on Monday morning. You know, it was mm -hmm. like, well, you don't believe it. I had this conversation with so and so. And we're like, wow, that's amazing. You know, that, and that was a huge resource for me. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, when, when you think through all of the elements of the worship service and consider them in the spiritual formative ways of, okay, the Holy Spirit can use this prayer to make people like Jesus. The Holy Spirit can use this testimony or this song or whatever it is. Um, when we start thinking in that way more, then I think we automatically begin to develop a flow within the worship service, mm -hmm. right? Because we're being more intentional mm -hmm. and trying to connect the dots. How can this song get to this song? Uh, what do I need to do? You know, do I just do a song transition or would a prayer work well here? Or should we read scripture and thinking thematically and purposefully about everything we're doing? Uh, I think that's critical for us as leaders. And really, that's what we're being called to, right? To lead God's people. Uh, we talked uh, in our uh, a couple uh, Worship Quest Wednesdays ago when we talked about the role of the worship leader with Bill Locke and Zach Hicks. We talked about the difference between being a lead worshiper or a worship leader, right? You know, both of them, uh, there's some biblical precedent too, uh, but the lead worshiper is more of a, a modeler of worship. But we have to remember that God has called us to actually lead the congregation. And that's going to begin during the week, Walt, like you're talking about, you know, here you are on a Wednesday you know, thinking about everything that you need to do for Sunday. And it's not just the songs, but the flow of the service. What are the other elements that are going to help people become more like Jesus because they're participating together in the congregation in worship? You know, I was, uh, I attended an Assemblies of God Church for seven years in the 80s. And uh, the pastor was George Wood, who uh, became the head of the denomination and a magnificent man. I've been listening to his sermons. They're all posted. If any of you want to listen to his sermons, uh, just do George Wood sermons and it comes up. Um, but uh, I learned the value of spontaneity there. Mm -hmm. It was really, really helpful for me. Uh, there was an expectation that God was going to do something. And uh, we, we usually weren't disappointed. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I would call a holy roller church by any st stretch of the imagination. But um, 
So one of the things that I've carried at Grace, now we haven't done it in a while, it's, it's risky, but at some point in the worship set, uh, I would just sense that people were ready to pray out loud. Mm. And so uh, I would just say at the end of a song, um, would several of you lead, it, lead out in prayer? And they would have to pray loud, you know, because there was no mic or anything. But man, I'm telling you, there were there were very rarely was like, oh wow, can you stop? I, that didn't happen, frankly. Yeah. It was a tremendous sensitivity to the spirit, and people would pray, and be able to articulate what God had been doing and saying to them, in the worship time. Right. Uh, and I I just want to say that because any of you who are listening, if you would think and pray about, maybe God wants to do some of that in your church. Uh, it's a powerful expression of God at work in the congregation. Yeah, so good, Walt. And unleashing your people to do the work of worship yeah. rather than relying on the yeah. people on the platform, I think is the absolute right priority. I'll often invite people to speak out the names of God yeah. or um, the titles of God yeah. or speak out. Um, a verse or a promise that you've been relying on. Um, often just, you know, a very, give them a, tell me a very short thing. Um, you know, you are the shepherd, you are the door, you are the light, you are, you know, things yeah. like that. But unleashing our people to do the, the work of worship, the work of theology, um, I think is, is a huge part of, discipleship and it gives them something to do during the week am i training my people how to worship during the week too yeah. so yeah. i love that yeah that's good i think the loss of um uh public prayer mm -hmm. in the church has been a, a big loss mm -hmm. because there's a certain element of just learning how to do it uh there's a lot of intimidation uh and uh, that I, I got to be brilliant. I've got to, you know, uh, I've been involved in a Tuesday morning prayer time at our church and it kind of sprang out of COVID and uh, it's become about 15 of us that meet at 630 for 45 minutes. And there's a, a gentleman who comes from another church and uh, my goodness, he has an, a powerful way to pray. It, 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 if this was of the flesh, it would be, awful you know what i mean because uh nothing worse than a person posturing in prayer but uh boy he gives a lift and i think by him praying in the small group he's teaching the rest of us mm. how to pray and articulate you know yeah, sure. and without being intimidated well i don't want to pray after him because the guy brings it you know mm. uh he's lifting the boat and uh i'm grateful for that and i i think uh, we're because we're losing the, the midweek prayer meeting is pretty much going away, right? Mm. I, am I right in saying that? I mean, it seems to me that yeah, I think so. mm -hmm. um, that we're losing something in the church. So that w when we ask people to pray out in public like that, like I mentioned in the service, there would be a tremendous fear. I think about it because they're they're just not used to it, and they're not even sure how to pray in a context like that. So I, I do think we probably, I'm not sure how to train people to pray. What, what would that look like? But the prayer element is huge, you know? 
And we're, we're a little fr- afraid of messy, aren't we? Yeah. We want polish. Yeah. Even at the cost of maybe passion. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think as we near the end, uh, let me throw out one more question uh, to kind of. I had five or six good jokes planned. What? <laughs> that, that, that's the post show. Right. <laughs> so we're near the end. <laughs> so um, how would you recommend for a worship leader to plan a worship service strategically and theologically? I mean, we could easily tell them, okay, buy, buy Jim's book and copy that or get on Walt's website and just copy and paste into his template of a script. Um, but beyond that, if we weren't to say that, um, how would you encourage worship leaders to think as they begin planning worship services, even for this Sunday? Should I speak to that? Sure. Yeah, why don't you go for that, and then I'll 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 clean up. <laughs> Bring out one of those jokes you forgot. Yeah. Uh, so it's really important to have your own time with God, one on one, you and Him, and it needs to be as consistent as possible. I was remarking to Sherry about this uh, pastor George Wood. So I listened to one of his sermons yesterday when I was walking, and I already recognized his voice because he must have just been fresh out of college. I mean, he's, he sounded, I couldn't recognize him. Uh, it was him because I, I figured out his voice pattern, but uh, he had, he, he almost couldn't wait to tell you about what the Bible said. You could sense he was so connected, so excited about it, so much in love with it. It had impacted him so deeply that it, it gave a buoyancy to his sermon, right? Well, and, uh, and listening to him later, 20, 30 years later, he's, he always had that connectedness to scripture. So I think if you're in the word, if you're letting it do its thing in you, I don't care what song you lead, I don't care what scripture you read, it's going to have a much more powerful, genuine, authentic uh, power to it. Yeah. So I, I just encourage you to start there. And the Lord will probably give you out of that some worship streams or say, hey, this song is great. I experience that all the time and do this. And, you know, it comes out of that. And that's the ideal. But right. So good. Thank you, Walt. Man, um, I guess I would encourage uh, worship leaders to run to the Bible before they run to the songbook. Um, <laughs> I want to encourage uh, young worship leaders to be uh, theological and to think theologically about why we gather. I want them to uh, be very scriptural. Um, I, I have, most of my life I was a secular musician and I, I know how to work a room. And so I have a bit of a distrust for the manipulation of music. And so that may be why I lean on scripture a little bit more than music and, and maybe, maybe shouldn't as much, but, but I want them to be theological and scriptural. And then the third thing, um, I want them to be corporate. 
I want them to do corporate stuff, not individual stuff in a crowded room. So think, what are we doing together as the body of Christ? Mm-hmm. And maybe even um, just remind people that uh, you're a priest and you're, you're I'm, or you're not a priest, but we are the priesthood of God together. And, and when we come together, we should offer the sacrifices together, the corporate sacrifices. So yeah, probably be theological, be scriptural, and be corporate, mm-hmm. and grow disciples. Right. Man, that's the, that's the mission of the church, I think. Yeah, yep. it is. At least that's what Jesus says it is. Yeah, well, yeah, you can't. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, like after the lightning. Yeah, yeah, yeah large. <laughs> Large thumb from heaven squishes man. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, thank you both for being with us today. Uh, Jim, would you be willing to close us in prayer? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's pray for worship leaders, for pastors, uh, just for this idea of creating flow in the worship service. (sighs) Holy Christ, would you keep all of us from bringing shame on your name. Mm -hmm. Would you use us to uh, lead others to enjoy you and to walk and drink deeply from you, Lord? You are worthy of all praise. Um, Would you protect us from the status quo? Would you protect us from loving fame or fortune? Would you protect us from our own egos as we design worship? It's it's difficult, God, because we're up in front of others, often on a platform. But we don't want to assume that we're there because we are anything but your servants. So here are prayers, Lord. Here are prayers for uh, the next generation of worship leaders. Please, God, raise them up. Help them to think new thoughts about your church in a new generation, Lord. Um, Please move. Please raise up the next generation of worship leaders and help your church grow disciples. And we pray this in the holy name of Jesus, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hear our prayers, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.